Would you like to win and achieve success in what you do? Welcome to the Winner's Ways Podcast, where we create winners every day. And now, your host, the author of Winner's Ways book and life coach, Bola Alabi. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Winner's Ways podcast. This is where we talk about your career, your money, and we give you life motivation to help you to succeed. On today's episode, we have a guest, and uh, the name of my guest today is Pete. Pete is a design uh, entrepreneur, and he loves to partner with future forward entrepreneurs and founders. Basically, Pete is, a, is an entrepreneur and he loves uh, talking about business. So if you want to learn how to build your business or how to make your business profitable, Pete is the guy for you. Uh, so Pete, how are you? And welcome Doing to good. Me. Doing good. Excited to connect. Okay, good. So can you please introduce yourself to my audience uh, so that they can get to know you better? Absolutely. So my name is Pete Senna. I am a creative entrepreneur. So I've been running a demand design consultancy for about 17 years called Digital Surgeons. That was my the, one of the first businesses that I started, which is a startup business. I'm also an angel investor in a number of different types of businesses. Right now, I'm focusing primarily on the Web3 market, as well as uh, businesses that are in high growth categories, specifically. Cannabis is something that we just most recently invested in. And a number of things. But really, I think just shortly, my background's in, in marketing, design, branding. And that's the stance that we come in on is how can people tell more provocative stories to build and launch their businesses and brands? And we believe that that's how you design demand. So that's a little kind of snippet on me. Um, but I would love to answer any questions that you and the, and the group have. Perfect. Thank you very much uh, for that intro, uh, Pete. You know, you talked about uh, branding, and uh, I know quite a number of uh, quite a number of people. They've heard about branding. They've uh, they, they may have some idea about branding, uh, but they do not necessarily know how to brand their business. So I'm going to ask you um, if, let's say, I'm starting a business today. What is it that I need to know about branding that will, you know, help position my business for success? Yeah, no, it's a great question. So the one thing I always tell people is there's only two ways to grow any business for the most part, right? There's a million ways, but there's only two basic ways. One is to acquire customers and get them to buy something. Um, and another is sell more things to your existing customers. In other words, increase the customer lifetime value. Um, so I always like to simplify that first. So the first thing is what branding is, is essentially, I believe branding is a promise and it's the space that you occupy in the hearts, minds, and wallets of your customers. So I think people oftentimes get caught up in branding being things like a logo or a design or messaging, but really it's what is the narrative? What is the message? What is the why? what, how, and, and all the things that you'd expect, you know, a good documentary or journalist to be able to cover on a business. So um, the first place I would like to start with people is what is the business? Um, you know, who are they selling to? What are they selling? And, and generally when we're building brands for, for founders or startups, you know, we work with, with clients that are, 
you know, people getting started in a dorm room or a garage, like, which is where one of my first businesses started, all the way up to Fortune 50 organizations. So really the one thing I think all of these businesses have in common is they're trying to tell a story that ultimately ties back to product services and experiences that they're offering for their customers. Great. So you just said uh, branding is not about, it's not only about the logo or the website, but about the why uh, of the business. Absolutely. Uh, in what role will you say marketing plays in, in terms of, you know, uh, promoting uh, your brand? Yeah, well, I think that's a really good question. And I think these days, everything is marketing, right? When you bring your sales or your business development people into a room, what stories they're telling and how those stories are connecting with the prospect or the end customer ultimately makes a difference in terms of who decides to do business with you or not do business with you. So I think to answer your question, the role that marketing plays in a business of all shapes, sizes, and forms is really one that helps to acquire customers. And in a lot of ways, when done right, keep those customers and retain those customers and get them to become, you know, longtime believers and uh, really drive efficacy for your business or brand. So I think there's a lot of different things that go into it, but um, I'm really biased in marketing. I mean, you can have the best product in the world, but if nobody knows about it, um, it often can make a, a big challenge for things. So I think marketing is a catch-all phrase that can mean a lot of different things. And I highly suggest people really starting from some of those basic questions first before they jump right into marketing. Okay, great. So what is Digital Sojourns all about? Because I, I know you are a co-founder of that company. Mm-hmm. What do you guys do? How, you know, if someone is out there, they want to, you know, uh, do business with you, what should they know? Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you for asking it. So Digital Surgeons is a demand design consultancy. So we help organizations to figure out and win what we call we design demand is the sort of big moniker that we have. So essentially we go into an organization. Um, the first thing that we typically do for businesses of all shapes and sizes is help them figure out their brand experiences and their growth marketing. And how do you get those two sides of the coin working together to design demand for your business moving forward? So we work with clients across multiple different sectors, industries. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I'm really focused right now on high growth categories or brands with high CAGR. Um, so we're seeing a lot of things right now in cannabis. We're seeing a lot of things right now in consumer electronics, consumer packaged goods, direct to consumer, um, really Really, all of the things that are hot right now uh, with the shifts in consumer behavior, we've been plugging into that. And we've been blessed in that with the pandemic and so many businesses rushing to go digital, there's just been a really big surge for the things that we do to tell stories, to acquire customers, and shape those brands and experiences. So that's just a little bit about what Digital Surgeons does. Um, You can read more about that or learn more about that on our website, digitalsurgeons.com. But again, happy to answer any questions to now or on the audience. Um, I'm pretty active on all the social media channels and would love to, to point folks in the right direction. So when you say high growth business, and I, and I know you gave us uh, an example uh, in the cannabis uh, industry, what other type of uh, businesses, uh, maybe, maybe software, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, will you put into that category of, you know, high growth business that you are focusing on at the moment? 
That's a fantastic question. So the one thing I also want to say is that Digital Surgeons works with a number of different clients across different sectors. Me personally, so I am one of the, the co-founders of the organization. I tend to focus on a lot of the emerging growth businesses, uh, me personally, but we have an amazing, incredible team. That, uh, we've been running the business for a little over 16 years now that can work on all different types of businesses. But to answer your question specifically, so what a high growth business is for us is typically we're looking at uh, industries and sectors that have what's called high CAGR or compound annual growth rate. Um, so there's a lot of industries right now that are facing some challenges or facing some what we call hockey stick moments where they're sort of kind of shooting up. So we see things happening right now in aerospace, manufacturing, um, Web3 is a sort of a catch-all right now because everyone's trying to figure out what their Web3 strategy is, what it means for consumers as we shift into these digital first contexts. So you kind of can't um, unless you're living under a rock, you kind of can't go anywhere without hearing words like crypto or NFT uh, or metaverse. Um, so that's certainly been a big question that a lot of our larger clients ask right now, which is like, how do they tap into these growing channels and growing trends for their businesses? Okay. So uh, you, you talked a lot about design thinking, uh, design mindsets, and designing business. Uh, can you break that uh, down for us? What do you mean by design? I'm an engineer. I know about designing stuff, but uh, most businesses, uh, or most people, when they want to go into business, they just have an idea. Hey, these are my customer. This is what I want to sell. Let's start promoting the business. But they may not have an idea about you know, the design that you are talking about. So I want you to please break it down for us. No, I love that question. So uh, for those that aren't familiar with design thinking, essentially, um, it really originated from the scientific method and being able to have a hypothesis about something, observe that hypothesis. So it has a very scientific background. Uh, it was originally created by a social scientist named uh, Hubert Simon, I believe, if my memory hits me correctly. But really what design is for us is and the, the process of design thinking, it's just a way to look at and frame problems and then solve those problems in the business. So typically when people hear the word design, they think fonts, pretty pictures, colors, you know, look and feel, um, which is the form side of, of design. Uh, we like to look at design as solving problems. So look at the form side of it, the function side of it. What we like to say a lot is where design form and function intersect is where growth happens. So when we're applying design thinking, we do a lot of design thinking boot camps where we teach our clients how to go and do that where they're framing a problem, they're, they're observing the way in which to solve the problem, and then they're iterating forward. So uh, that's been uh, what design thinking is for us is really it's a way to look at framing problems, solving those problems, and iterating on the different solutions to solve those problems. I love that you have an engineering background because I think that engineers love design thinking because it's an iterative approach to growth that's really based and evidenced on the customer or on the actual solution. Um, so what it takes... Uh, consider into consideration is how to remove bias um, wherever possible based on what the customer is thinking, feeling, and doing um, in a situation. So we apply that for when we're telling stories and growing a business from a marketing perspective. We apply that when we're designing digital products and services, and we apply that, apply that in every aspect of the business. So that's really what design thinking is for us. 
Um, anybody who's not familiar with it, there's some really, really great stuff online. I think IBM has launched a free design thinking certification course online. Highly recommend that because that's going to be great for your resume, no matter what you do at any stage in your career. And again, you don't have to be an engineer like you or a designer like me to be able to apply this. Uh, we've taught design thinking to uh, kids that are in high school. We've taught design thinking to Fortune 500 executives. It's really just a different way to, uh, to look at problems, to frame those problems, and to solve them using creativity and curiosity. Perfect. You know what? When, when you said IBM, uh, they had a design thinking uh, training. Uh, I, I took a design thinking uh, training, I think, about two years ago. Nice. It gave me a different perspective. You know, you you as a product designer, you are not just sitting down there and just creating product or uh, making your um, hardware. You are also thinking about uh, the clients, the users, the end users. How how are they going to relate to that product? How is you know the user? Is it going to be user friendly? How is the feel going to be? So all those things are involved in design thinking. So thank you very much uh, for sharing that. But other than that, why do you think uh, having a design-driven mindset is uh, essential for business growth? Yeah, I love that question. So for one, I think a lot of times business owners or practitioners, whether you're a marketer, product person, salesperson, we get inside our own heads a lot as to what we think people are saying and doing in the world. When a lot of times what I like about design thinking is it removes that bias where you can test is the thing that you think is happening what's actually happening. So we see that a lot when we're testing marketing copy or we're testing a landing page or something on the internet. Um, what The ads that we might think work um, will oftentimes not work. So a lot, of, a lot of what I suggest to people is come up with a series of different hypotheses, test them, and then let data be, drive the way as to what solution you pick moving forward. So a great example of that is I'm sure... Every person that's listening to or watching this podcast now or in the future, they probably have been on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or Twitter, and they're scrolling through their feed wherever they are, whether they're at work or in the bathroom, wherever they are, and they get a specific ad. So they might be talking about something and they get an ad. Some ads convert and drive that click through and drive that purchase. And some ads people just scroll past. And I think that nowadays... Um, what's so powerful about using something like design thinking is you understand the stories and the experiences that resonate for the audience. And that's ultimately how you can design demand for your business. Perfect. So one of the things that I do on, uh, on this podcast is to connect experts with people that really want to learn. And I'm glad that you said we teach clients how to, you know, grow their business. So if there's somebody out there that want to, you know, connect with you so that they can learn how to uh, supercharge their business and grow and really uh, stay profitable, how does that process work uh, with you today? So uh, that's a great question. So the first thing I would say is I do a lot of podcasts, I do a lot of speaking, those types of things. But behind me, I have an incredible, amazing, really talented team of people uh, all over the world that have a number of different specialties and experiences and that sort of thing. So the first place to start is definitely check us out at digitalsurgeons.com. Um, I'm very active on Twitter, at Pete Senna. Um, so definitely someone can sort of at me on Twitter. They can send me a message uh, and I can get them connected with the right people on my team. 
Um, I don't work on all of the clients that we work on, but obviously I have an incredible team behind me that that can sort of dial in depending on the, the experience or capabilities that someone's looking for. So I would say right now, just those two places are probably really good places to start. Um, definitely feel free to hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm LinkedIn just at Pete Senna um, and would love to, to connect with anybody to hear more about their businesses. You know, we work with a number of different clients across every sector. So I tell people we've got sort of three big categories that we work in. One is our startup practice. So typically we're working with funded startups or that sort of thing. The second is challenger brands, primarily in the business to consumer space. And then we have an enterprise B2B uh, practice where we do a lot of work with large emerging enterprises, whether it's a Fortune 50, Fortune 500, Fortune 2000. And really with those folks is what all of those clients have in common is they're looking to design demand for their business. So for some of the, those more enterprise customers, we're helping them understand how to use design thinking, how to use digital product design. Uh, for the challenger brands, we're helping them figure out how to tell stories differently, how to amplify what's, what's already working and find new ways to innovate from a marketing innovation perspective. And then, of course, for startups, it's about, you know, what is the brand? What is the experience that's going to reach their customers um, so they can, they can understand who their core customers are and then get those core customers to purchase or trial whatever the product, service, or experience is. So those are the sort of three big practices that we've got in the organization. Hope that answers the question. Perfect. No, you did. Uh, so, you know, thinking about the world that we have today uh, in terms of digital transformation, especially since after the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, if a business is not online, uh, then uh, that business is not uh, positioning itself for growth. So, and part of this is all about, you know, productivity, digital transformation. What can you tell us about productivity, you know, acts that can, you know, help uh, businesses to grow? Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a loaded question. And I can tell you a lot of things depending on the specificity. So the first thing that I would say is to understand what your business does and to understand what your audience specifically needs or wants. So I'm going to get really specific. If you're a small restaurant owner, and again, it'd be helpful to know just the different, different folks that are tuning in, what you know about them, and I can sort of dial that in a bit. But if you're a restaurant owner, and a lot of people are looking for a restaurant to order takeout from, you know, going on things like Uber Eats or Grubhub or DoorDash, being present or making sure that people can access you in that way is really, really important. If people are looking for, you know, an outdoor place to have a nice fine dining event, making sure that you capture photos or videos or social media types of content in that place can be really important. The challenge with productivity hacks and this digital transformation thing that I think people should really pay attention to is it depends on what business they're in, right? So a really great example um, is, which I see happen a lot right, is there's a lot of productivity hacks that depending on who you are, are going to really make a lot of value. So for example, I have a lot of my clients are at, they sit at desks all day, like you and I, right? Mm -hmm. So what they're looking for is productivity hacks on email or calendar. And then I can give them a bunch of different techniques. I can give them things like inbox zero, which is a really great methodology and framework for how to think about your email. So you're not spending your entire day in life in your inbox. You're only going to do defer delegate. So that's, that's an inbox zero technique. Um, for some other clients, what I always like to ask is, what do you want to spend more time doing? What do you want to spend less time doing? And I say that for people, whether they're the restaurant owner or the CMO of a Fortune 50 client or organization is 
what do they want to do more of and less of? Because then I can introduce a lot of productivity hacks. I can give them tools for focusing if they're having a hard time focusing. I can give them tools for better email management or pre-scheduling different calendar things. So the challenge with productivity hacks is that you have to understand what productivity means for the person and what that ultimately turns into. I'll give you a perfect example. One of my clients is a Fortune 500 and they are in the HVAC space. So heating, ventilating, and air conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. What they're uh, looking for for productivity hacks is they've got you know re- repair folks that are out on, on the job and they were previously using physical you know clipboards to fill things out. Well, obviously a productivity hack for them is arming their whole workforce with iPads yeah. or, or a smart tablet to be able to digitize these typically traditional processes. So now that reduces error. It saves that person time because the second they put that invoice in or they do that with that system, that's saving each one of their technicians hours a day. You multiply the cost of those hours, the scale of that when people come and go, that's a huge productivity hack for them. So really productivity is a really interesting word because to be productive, to sort of break down what it means to be productive you have to understand where someone's spending their time or energy. So it's it's a little bit of a loaded question. I hope that I answered it. Um, but really, if you give me a more specific use case of what someone's facing or, or struggling with, I can I can really zero that in. It would be kind of like be going to the doctor and saying, my arm hurts. Well, what does my arm hurt from? Is it you know from lifting weights? Is it, did you bump into anything? So I think it's hard to diagnose and answer the question around productivity hacks until I have more information as to what someone's trying to solve for. Oh, perfect. I, I think uh, you, you hit it on the, on the head. Uh, what I was looking for is just, you know, an idea that can help people to understand the uh, need uh, for being more productive. Of course, productivity is about getting more done uh, with less. And you gave a perfect example uh, with your uh, HVAC uh, co- uh, clients, you know, how they went from, you know, uh, clipboards to digitizing uh, their notes. So and that's a perfect example. And this can be applied across uh, various industry. It's all about everyone thinking about, hey, if I'm spending five hours uh, to do certain tasks, what can I do uh, to get it done within two hours? Is, is it possible? You know, asking that question and going through the process, uh, you know, to uh, achieve more uh, with less. I think that's all what uh, productivity is all about. And uh, you uh, rightly answered that question. Thank you very much, uh, Pete. What so- I also like to think about a lot, too, is this idea of repetition. So one of the things that I think people mistake often is this idea of automation. And they want to automate everything. And then they focus too much time or energy on trying to automate everything. And then they spend all this time automating things and they realize that they've automated the wrong things. So what I like to look at in a business are what are the tasks that you do on a daily basis that are repetitive Mm -hmm. and that would benefit from one, reducing margin of error, right? So as humans, we make mistakes. Machines make a lot less mistakes than humans for certain types of tasks, right? So there are some things that require the the sort of human touch of creativity that AI or automated workflow can't benefit from. But if I'm that uh, repair technician and I have five questions to ask, and once I answer those questions, those get uploaded to a system and a decision gets made, those kinds of things can be wildly automated, right? So what I often like to ask people is, you know, make a list of where you spend your time, make a list of where you spend your energy, which areas of things can be automated. And then from there, start to attack those processes. Because a lot of times, 
Um, I ask people, well, what would your day look like if you spent less time doing those things? Sometimes people don't think through that next question as to like, oh, well, if I spent more less time doing inventory at my restaurant or, or you know, inventory at my tire repair center, then I would have more time to spend with my customers and being able to reach out to customers and, and building those human relationships. Well, that's a great example of where you'd want to start spending time with automation is when you can double, double down on your customer experience. But I think I myself fell victim to this early in my career where as an engineer, someone who spent most of their life writing software, I wanted to automate everything, right? So like, you know, right now I've got all these automation devices. I can change the color of my lights in, in, in my home studio. I can do all these different things. But the reality is, is sometimes people have automations for their automations and that's not productive. So I think it's really important you break down what does it mean to be productive? Because in some cases, I think that w- when you focus on the wrong things, it's really easy to, to become unproductive or wasting time with things that aren't necessarily effective. I know some people who are very automated that I wouldn't call them effective. So I always like to balance efficiency and effectiveness because that for me is the root of productivity is being able to be efficient and effective and I am willing to jeopardize efficiency for a higher effectiveness. So it's a seesaw of things that I often balance. Well, you know, I like the concept you just shared, uh, effectiveness and uh, effectiveness and uh, um, what's it called now? Efficiency, right? Absolutely. So uh, it's all about thinking uh, and focusing on what is right for individual business. So thank you for sharing. So yeah. I see that you are passionate uh, a lot about business and, uh, you know, helping people to grow their business. I'm just curious, why, why, why are you in this space? Why are you interested in helping people, you know, to grow their business? Yeah, no, that's a great, great question. So I have my entire life really been someone that likes to come from a place of service. It really makes me happy when I help people push their dreams forward. And I think in some cases, dreams can be associated with work or not associated with work. Um, There's a concept I talk a lot about, which is this concept of ikigai, um, which is, it's a Japanese concept originally. Um, I discovered it when reading a book about blue zones and blue zones are a place in the world where people live the longest and have the happiest of lives. And one of the things that they found was a sense of community and a sense of purpose really drove, you know, of course, diet and a lot of things have have to do with it as well. But a sense of community and connectedness really helped to drive uh, happiness and, and longer, healthier lives in these places. And one of the places was in Okinawa, Japan, that that book Blue Zones covers quite a bit. So when I discovered this concept of Ikigai, I was thinking about what my purpose was, what my sort of raison d'etre or reason for being was. And one of the things that I sort of came up with was I want to be a force for positive change in people's lives, right? So wherever I go, whether I'm like literally in line at the coffee shop or on vacation, I'm always looking to help people get that next step further in their life or work. What I came to realize early on in my career was as a designer, as a developer, a lot of the problems that I enjoyed solving had to do with helping people in their work, helping helping people in their business. Um, so that's one of the reasons I got into what I'm doing. Um, I've been blessed and uh, I've been able to invest in and support a lot of different companies. Um, you know, you name a type of company and I've, I've, I might've worked with them in the past 17 years, everything from you know, plumbing companies to automotive companies to uh, cannabis companies, 
you know, physical product companies, like um, it's, uh, it's, we've run the gamut. But the one thing that I think holds true for me is I want to be a force for positive change in people's lives. And by doing that, a lot of times it, it sort of intersects with work. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about what I do is it's not the work that I'm doing that I'm so, so passionate about. It's the impact and the outcome of the work. I get people that reach out to me. They send me emails on my website, PeteSunner.com all the time. They say, hey, I tried that thing you talked about. And now my business is doing seven figures a year where, you know, like one of the businesses that we worked with when I first met them, they were doing, you know, less than $100,000 a year in revenue. Um, they just broke their first million in revenue. So those stories really light me up because, you know, I've worked with some of the biggest companies in the world. And when you're just adding one or two basis points to a company that does billions of dollars, people don't feel it. You know, people get raises, they get promotions, they move on. But when you're helping a small business owner, which is one of the reasons I'm on this podcast right now is I want to connect with people. And real, I realize that while most of my clients tend to be th- these large organizations, the ones that I love working with most are the solopreneur or the entrepreneur that's running a family business or something, because that's where a piece of advice, a change in productivity, like we just talked about earlier, can make the difference between them you know, being able to have a great holiday with their family or not as a result of these things. So that's sort of what lights me up. I hope that answers the question. Oh, awesome. You know, I, I like, I, I can feel your passion, Pete. Uh, and I like all the uh, details that you've shared. Uh, definitely uh, for you to have been doing this for 17 years. And of course, uh, looking at the list of your clients, uh, which includes Fortune 500 companies, uh, definitely you know what you are talking about. So uh, I'm going to, you know, I always want to ask my uh, guest to share experience uh, with my audience. And for you, I'm going to ask you, uh, looking at your experience in business, what are maybe one or two mistakes that you think people are making in, in their business uh, that is, you know, preventing them from achieving the growth that they desire. I love that. So one of the best pieces of advice that I'm totally going to steal from Tony Robbins is in one of his, um, one of his talks, I remember he was saying, where the focus goes, the energy flows. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I, if you, whether you like Tony Robbins or not, whether you're into business coaching or not, um, that, that line stuck with me. And it stuck with me because what I realized is that me and my team get paid a lot of money to come up with new ideas and new possibilities for people's businesses, new innovations and those kinds of things. I think a lot of times people are always chasing that holy grail. So a piece of bad advice is people are always looking for, okay, when that thing happens, that's my silver bullet. Everything's going to be perfect. And I think chasing that Holy Grail, I don't think the Holy Grail exists unless you're watching the Indiana Jones movie, right? Um, I really believe that people sometimes need to take inventory in what they have and come from a place of where they're going to put their energy. You know, there's a famous study that was done at Procter & Gamble, one of the the leading organizations in the world. If you open up your cabinet, you probably have a product or service from Procter & Gamble, right? And what they did was they had a group of people that were scoring relatively low on their performance scores. And they brought in executive coaches and they had people focus on, you know, all the things that they were doing wrong. And how did they get from a 70% score to an 80 or 90% score, you know, moving up, up the improvement. And then they worked with another group of people that had a 70 percentile and they said, okay, 
what are all the things that we're doing so well right now that got us to that 70%? And they focused on all of those things. And it turns out that it's focusing on the things you're doing well, put more energy into that, more focus into that. Because what I think a lot of business owners do is they focus on all things that aren't going well. And that's one, it can be a bit depressing. It can be a bit negative, but sometimes if you just shift your energy and you put your focus into the things that are working well, that's going to help things amplify that much more. So what I tell people a lot of times is as much as you might want to focus on the customers that are the most unhappy, what I tell people is focus on what Kevin Kelly talks about. He calls it super fans or a thousand key fans. Focus on your top happiest customers. Understand why are they so happy? You know, besides if it's your friends or family or your mom, right? But focus on your top customers. What are you doing to make them delighted? And just do that that much more. And that's going to help your business grow or build. So I think that a lot of times is that's one piece of advice I see that happens time and time again is people are always looking for the next thing instead of focusing for what's right in front of them that they forgot about. Fantastic. So focus and uh, it's all about continuous improvements. That's what I absolutely or Kaizen, right? Back to that Japanese concept. Yeah, yeah, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm really largely inspired by a lot of the Zen principles of different Japanese concepts, which is kind of funny, you know, as a, as a person who's not from Japan or whatever, I've just been so inspired. I feel like um, one of my favorite business books is a book uh, called Shoe Dog, where it talks about how Phil Knight really built the enterprise of Nike. And he too, not of Japanese descent, was yeah. so inspired by some of these Japanese business concepts. And uh, so I, I encourage anyone to, to look into those things or read those books because uh, maybe they'll find the same inspiration that I did in those. Oh, by the way, I've learned about uh, Kaizen, uh, you know, and uh, quality improvement uh, in, in my line of career. So I totally get uh, where you're com- coming from. You know, they have all these principles and uh, policies that have helped at least um, the majority of Japanese companies uh, to do well. And for me, it's all about, you know, if you see what is working well, just like you said, copy it, focus your energy on it, and you can always, uh, you will always get better. So that's, uh, that's uh, very important. So uh, I always say is, I always say po- uh, positivity breeds positivity, mm-hmm. negativity breeds negativity. So uh-huh. a lot of times, again, back to that Tony Robbins quote, you know, where the, where the focus goes, the energy will flow. That's correct. So as we are rounding up uh, this uh, interview, Pete, uh, can you tell uh, my audience how they can connect with you and you know, uh, get to know more about what you offer? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to you for this. I mean, really enjoyed our time together today. And for the audience, I would say um, I'm at Pete Senna on most of the social channels. I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. You can look up my company, Digital Surgeons, on digitalsurgeons.com. We have an amazing group of people that would love to connect with folks like you to see how we can help you grow your business. And then I blog a lot on Medium, and I blog a lot on my website, petesena.com, B-E-T-E-S-E-N-A.com. But um, yeah, feel free to hit me up on, on Twitter or any of the social channels. I tend to be pretty responsive where I can, and I would love to stay in touch with you and the audience uh, and wishing everybody a productive and successful rest of their week. Fantastic. I'm going to check you out on Medium, by the way, because I also blog on Medium. So, oh, awesome. Yeah, sh- shoot me a, a clap on something and I'll follow you back. Okay. And uh, I'll connect with you on Twitter as well. Thank you very That's much. Good. I look forward to All it. Right. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. 
This episode of Winner's Ways podcast has come to a close. We hope you enjoy and learn something from today's show. We want you to win and excel in all areas of your life. And we regularly explore and share information with our listeners to empower them to win. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more tips and strategies to help you find the success that you've always dreamt of. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you more podcast episodes to empower you. We will love to have you again next week. Now, keep winning. Thank <laughs> you.